Never tell all you know, not even to the person you know best. Agatha Christie. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And today we are talking about wisdom from Agatha Christie, who is a mystery author from about a hundred or so years ago. Oh, has it really been that long? I mean, not that I'm that old, but... (laughs) Also, if you're looking for a research tangent, she did disappear for a time, and the mystery author had her own mystery kind of thing going on. There are a lot of theories about that. If you have a lot of time and a lot more brain space than I do, go look it up. It's a lot of fun. That's fascinating to me. So as a reminder, when we are doing these episodes for the Pearls of the Masters, we are talking about not only just what they said, but how we can take that and apply it and the questions we can use to help us understand whether or not we need to apply that advice. Those questions are, do I agree with the advice? Do I share a target audience? Are they preaching to the choir? Do I really care what this person has to say? And why have they given the advice before? Let's get into the first pearl of wisdom from Agatha Christie. Our opener said, never tell all you know, not even to the person you know best. If you are writing mystery, you need to take this to heart because you don't want your audience to know everything. You need to tell them little bits but not everything. I would also say if you're committing a murder, this is especially helpful advice. (laughs) If you tell somebody, that's what's going to get you in trouble. And that's kind of why I think it's funny coming from Agatha Christie. (laughs) (laughs) To me, for applying it to authors, this advice is a good reminder against expositionary segments of your book. You don't want to tell everything right up front. Even if you aren't writing mystery, you don't need those big blocks of info dump. So this is never tell all you know. I know as authors we want to, but it's a bad idea. Especially if it's in quotation marks. Avoid sentences that go, I know you know that I am your son, but I'm announcing it in dialogue, so therefore I'm showing and not telling. Yeah, that's bad. (laughs) Let's move on to the next quote we have from her. The best time for planning a book is while you're doing the dishes. Yes. Why? Because then I'm not trying to plan a book. I'm not intimidated by the blank page or the blinking light on the screen. I'm busy physically doing something, but mentally my mind is going this way and that. For me, my book planning place is either when I'm driving, which is probably not safe, or when I'm in the shower because I don't do dishes by hand. This is a really good thing, and we're going to talk about this actually a little bit more in our bonus episode when we discuss Brandon Sanderson's words of wisdom, but doing something else while you're planning a book frees your mind, because if you're doing a task as monotonous as the dishes, you don't need to think about doing the dishes. You can think about something else, and like Lee said, that frees you from the locking terror of staring at the page wondering, Oh no, what am I actually going to write? And think about all of the times that you are doing something that you aren't using your brain. All of that can be used for plotting. That's one of my favorite things about being a pen and paper author 
is I can scratch something down at a red light. I don't have to boot up my computer and then log in and then I can just go, oh yeah, this, this idea. This next quote, I feel like there are a fair amount of authors that rail against, but I really like it and maybe just because I sympathize with it. There was a moment when I changed from an amateur to a professional. I assumed the burden of a profession, which is to write even when you don't want to, don't much like what you're writing, and aren't writing particularly well. We've talked a fair amount about writer's block off and on throughout the episodes, and how some people claim to never get it. And my response to that is you're probably not writing professionally, which is totally okay, so long as you're writing selfishly. But that transition moment happens not necessarily, according to Christy, when you start getting paid for it, but when you start disciplining yourself to write even when you aren't feeling inspired. And I want to replace the word amateur with hobbyist, because you can be a really good hobbyist. And I know that amateur doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means you aren't getting paid. But there's a reason why when I started writing... I was a hobbyist writer because I would pick up a story and I would write a chapter and then I'd set it down because I ran into writer's block and then I set it down for a year or two or more and I'd pick up again and I'd rewrite that chapter and then write a second chapter and then I'd set it down and then you pick it up five years later. And there's the difference is you have me who finally published a book this last year because I dedicated myself to the discipline, to saying, I want to publish and be a professional author. So I'm going to discipline myself and make myself write, even if I didn't want to, even if I didn't feel like I was going well. And I'm dealing with that right now with the second book of, I don't particularly like what I'm writing, but I'm writing it anyways, because I can't fix it if it's not written. This next quote is similar to something I've heard Stephen King say, which I think kind of tells you about a shared target audience in that regard. The quote is, every murderer is probably somebody's good friend. The true crime addict in me loves this quote because so many of the people who commit atrocities have friends that back them. I'm listening to a podcast right now where a husband murdered his wife And he had the whole community backing him, believing in his innocence, because how could he possibly have done something like that? There's no way. And I absolutely love this, that every murderer is probably somebody's good friend. So you can use that in your stories. Your villains don't have to be ostracized and alone and the creepy person that's by themselves all the time. They can have friends that are good people that believe in them and then realize, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. Or will profess this person's innocence to the end regardless. Yes, because there are people who do that. And to me, using that in writing makes your characters more deep. It makes them more real. So even if you're writing fantasy or sci-fi, you can have characters that are believable because really... There are very, very few people out there who don't have somebody that will stand by them, whether it's a friend or a family member. And I don't think that's a reflection on the murderer necessarily, but it's the goodness in the friend. And having those connections, and we pair this quote with our opener, 
Never tell all you know, not even to the person you know best. That relationship between villain and villain's best friend starts to get a pretty clear picture, and I like it. And it gives you a really good opportunity to have a manipulative villain, and I love manipulative villains. Yes. This next quote is a little bit more controversial. I've always believed in writing without a collaborator, because where two people are writing the same book, each believes he gets all the worries and only half the royalties. Yes and no. Part of me agrees with this one because group projects, I have experience with group projects and they are terrible because you are forced to work with people who don't always want to do the work. But if you're doing a collaboration with an author you know and trust, that's completely different. Yeah, I think this quote speaks to a lack of trust in your collaborator. And not necessarily faith in their abilities, but in your ability to tell the story well. I couldn't write nearly as much gun work as I do without Lee helping edit my stuff. We've talked in the writer's block episodes and so many of the writing group comments. Having a writing club is essential to not only growing as an author, but finishing your book. So I think it depends on what kind of collaborator you're talking about. Co-writing something is going to be difficult because you do have that balance of who does what kind of work. But if you hash it out ahead of time and both trust each other to do the work they promised they would, then it can help especially new authors collaborating with an experienced and well-known author get their name out there and get their start. I know a lot of The quotes we've chosen for Agatha Christie speak about her writing process, but I think it's incredibly relatable and comforting to know that she's going through it as well. And it helps me to know that she's a plotter because the mystery author that I follow most is a pantser. And that's pretty much summed up in this quote. First, you have to think and think and think and think. Then you have to force yourself to write it down. I disagree. But then again, I'm a pantser. You don't think it through? Eh, kind of. I think about it. I don't think and think and think and think. I think, and then I write it down. And then I think, and then I write that down. I think and think and think and think. The important takeaway from this particular quote is the second half, in that you have to force yourself to write it down. If it's not written down, it doesn't count as a book. It's a cool story idea. You can tell all your friends about it. Great. But until it's written down, it's only ever in your imagination. It's only ever an abstract idea. So get to the paper, get to the computer and the keyboard, and just write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 